Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits Kentucky. I hope everyone had a good weekend. I know it was a rainy start to the official summer, although I think most of us have been celebrating for quite some time now. Hopefully Mother Nature will cooperate and we'll have some warmer temps here soon, although the rain has been nice. We've got a fun episode for you this week as we head into the spirits world as we talk with New Rift Distilling as they've got some changes coming up with Ken Lewis's retirement. But first, what's pouring Kentucky? Some news and notes around the state. Kismet's Tanya May and Phil Cronin are teaming up with local feeds Justin Thompson for Seed Defeat a special charity dinner this Friday, June 30th. The first event of this series will take place at Georgetown's historic Ward Hall with an open bar, live music, and a four-course dinner. Eckert's Orchard in Versailles will host its first ever peach party and vendor fair on Saturday, July 8th from 10 to 5 p.m. Enjoy live music, kids' activity, tasty treats, and goodies from local boutiques. The 10th and final Gonzo Fest will be held Friday, July 14th and Saturday, July 15th at High Horse Bar and along Story Avenue in Louisville. The celebration of the Louisville-born journalist Hunter S. Thompson, who created Gonzo Journalism, will feature poets, scholars, and live music from across the country. Tickets are $25. Some new restaurants opening. Arkansas-based fast casual chicken chain, chain Slim Chickens. Love that name. Opened its first Lexington location recently at 525 Waller Avenue. The menu features sandwiches, tenders, wings with 17 different house-made sauces. A second look Lexington location will be coming to the Old O'Charlie's on Richmond Road soon. Another venue dedicated to pickleball is coming to Louisville's East End in the fall of 2024. Pickle and Social will host 12 courts, 7 fully air-conditioned, at a 35,000-square-foot complex near Robeson Park. The venue will also have a restaurant, multiple bars, and full-swing golf bays. In Fort Thomas, Burger, Shake, Burger and Shake joint Tickle Pickle officially opened their first Northern Kentucky location. The restaurant recently hosted a grand opening ceremony for their new storefront at 915 North Fort Thomas Avenue, which was the former site of 915 Bar and Grill, which closed back in March. The original Tickle Pickle is located in Cincinnati's Northside neighborhood. In 2022, they opened a satellite location inside Listerman Brewing Company in Norwood. Some sad news in Lexington. The Breeze uh, at Gray Line Station is closing, but don't worry if you're a wine lover that went there. Darling Wine Bar is moving into that spot in July. You'll be able to find natural and traditional wines, cocktails, beer, and more. And last but not least, in some news and notes, because we're going to be off next week as we celebrate the 4th of July and we'll be coming back July 10th with another installment of our road trip series to so trying to get a little bit extra info in for you. Lexington Burger Week is coming up on July 10th through 16th. It features $7 one-of-a-kind burgers at participating restaurants across the city. Uh, for more information on those participating restaurants and the burgers, check out LexingtonBurgerWeek.com. Like I mentioned, we're going to be off next week for the 4th, but back on the 10th with another road trip. But up next is our Q&A with Hannah Lowen, incoming CEO of New Rift Distilling. It's a great chat. Enjoy. Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our Q&A this week, I think it's one of the first interviews she's been doing since uh, some cool things have been announced there at New Rift Distilling. She's the incoming CEO. She'll take that mantle in spring 2024. Welcome in, Hannah Lowen. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's a shockingly cold summer day down here in Kentucky. So enjoying not like sweating for a few moments. 
on a Thursday. <laughs> I know I woke up. So I'm, I'm just down the road in Lexington. I woke up and I was like, I might need a, I was taking my daughter to, to uh, school and I was like, I might need a hoodie on this morning. It's kind of chilly. Yeah. No, I'm, I um I had my window open and I was cold. So yeah, not bad for the what second day of spring, I think, <laughs> or summer. I mean, no. yeah, I'll take it. I know it's coming. I know what's happening. I grew up here. I'm, I'm well aware of, of what's, what is to come in the next few months. So I'll take it. This is, this is true. And, and we're going to be talking about some cool things. Like I mentioned right at the beginning here, she's the incoming CEO. Uh, Ken Lewis has announced his retirement officially and uh, some cool things are happening. But before we get into all that, I call this kind of the cliff notes version. Tell us a little bit about yourself, but not too much. Cause I've obviously got some, some good, good questions to ask. So, uh, yeah, so what's the cliff notes version for you? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm a born and raised Kentuckian. I grew up in Louisville, so not far from, we make the triangle, Lexington, Cincinnati, and Louisville. Um, went off to college, had no intention of ending up in this industry at all. I studied sociology and criminal justice and um, left Kentucky after high school and kind of vowed to never come back. So I, I lived, I went to Wisconsin, I lived on kind of both coasts, and I know the Lewis family. so. Ken and his daughter and his ex-wife, our families know each other. And I, in my uh, early 20s, was out on the West Coast managing a nonprofit and um, got got a call from Mr. Lewis to, to come out and start being at New Rift. So that's kind of how I ended up around here. And maybe we'll go into more detail. But in general, I've got um, a wonderful little family, my wife and my son. We have a cute dog named Morty. We love travel we're big sports fans the reds are like good right now i'm saying this and literally probably in a few days when you put this live the reds will be bad again but we're like really excited that they're on a win streak they're on an 11 game win streak um so sports and people and food and drink those are my my love languages and um yeah it's that's that's my cliff note well, and like you said, you touched on, you haven't always been in the, in the spirits industry. And, yep. and so what exactly kind of were you doing prior to that? You know, because sure. it, 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 in a sense, it didn't sound like it would have transitioned maybe as well as some, some would, would think. Yeah, no, I mean, including myself, I was um, running the operations and the, the management of a nonprofit. So we, we work to get young people involved in the uh, political process, get people to vote, do a lot of voter registration. And so I did kind of our like backend operations of that world. And it surprisingly translates well because you need those things, those systems and processes and the way we think about how the business runs um, here at, at New Rift too. And so, you know, I certainly was not hired originally for the role I'm doing now and obviously what I will be doing in a few months. Um, but, you know, I don't make any of the whiskey I don't really sell any of the whiskey. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle, keeping it all together and thinking about vision and strategy and how we get there. And so in many ways, you know, whether it's bourbon or politics or you name it, I think those people are key in organizations. And so I'm surprised how much translates, I will tell you over the years. Some of the principles that I learned in like political organizing matter just the same in whiskey. And uh, the benefit of New Riff is, I've been here since the very beginning. So I had a nice long runway. I mean, we had four years before we had even put out our product um, to become, you know, a bit of an expert in the industry too. So I had the blessing of time. 
Well, and, and at the end of the day, you're always dealing with people, no matter matter what that is. And and I think that mm-hmm. can translate a, across industries. But what was it like when you got that call from you know from Ken and Molly of like, hey, come work for us. We're launching this whiskey brand. <laughs> Did you go you wrong know, number? I think, <laughs> I, not kind of. I mean, you know, I obviously knew, especially of Ken's like great success in this industry. And as you know, he was a a retail giant with the party source and the work he had done in Kentucky. And so, you know, when a person like that calls and is interested in talking to you, you definitely pick up the phone. And um, I was so, even back then when it was, I think a more of an embryonic idea, um, was so excited about the potential and the opportunity and just, you know, it was just this big, crazy idea then. There was already a lot of a lot of work that had been done by the time I came along, but um, it was kind of you know intoxicating to to be a part of that founding team. I mean, there were only eight of us when we first opened, and before that, it was even a smaller group that were kind of part of those very initial conversations. And so, um, there wasn't even a question. I mean, it you know as soon as we had that first conversation, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you a funny story. Ken and I actually you know, our employment agreements back then, we went to a dog park. We met at a dog park in Louisville. And back then he had a big, you know, golden doodle or something. And I had a French bulldog and the dogs were running around and we like shook on it. That was how we decided that I was going to come onto the team and um, super informal. I never thought this is what it would look like. Honestly, I was thinking, all right, well, I'll go do this for a few years and see how I like it and and what he needs. And so um, it kind of all went on from there, but um, you know, he's made a big impact in the industry and in a, as a whole, and uh, it was hard to resist. <laughs> well, absolutely. Like you said, uh, for those that don't know, Party Source, he worked on getting a lot of laws changed in the state to allow things and do 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 more things. And it, it's he has an impressive career. And now this is absolutely. a tough question, I, I feel like, for you. You work with bourbon. Did you mm-hmm. like bourbon from the get-go, or did you have to acquire the taste? <laughs> you know, I... I have always liked it when I started drinking it. Um, My kind of early, early parts of my career were always like in food and drink. And so I've always been a curious consumer of those things. Um, And I definitely was more of a beer drinker when I started working here. And I still drink a lot of beer, but um, I never was like, ugh, I don't like it. I just didn't. To be perfectly honest, I didn't know what was so great. I remember one time when I lived out on the West Coast, I came home, um, you know, to visit family. And I went to the store and somebody at a store told me about Bullet bourbon. And back then, Bullet had not really made it out to the West Coast. And I went running back to Oregon with this bottle of Bullet and talking about how, you know, it was this amazing, it was only in Kentucky, blah, blah, blah. So that just gives you an idea of kind of how naive I was to the industry. Um but it didn't take very long. And with some of the folks I work with, um, one of my colleagues who's been around helped found the company with Ken, Jay Arisman, who is like, you know, an absolute whiskey expert, aficionado, mad scientist, genius. Um, when he started showing me what I should be drinking, that <laughs> that really helped. So no, I've always liked it. I just didn't always drink it, but I, I didn't, it was not a hard path for me to fall into it. Um, that's for sure. Well, that's which is good because you you do work at a, a place that makes bourbon, whiskey, and some exactly. gin, and some gin mm-hmm. as well. And like you said, you've been there since the, since the the very beginning, or or very close to the, the very beginning. Sure. 
how has it changed over time? Because uh, it's it's not exactly the same as it was, and it's grown just a, a little bit. Yeah. You know, some of it is size, but it's all like context. We say at New Riff all the time, we're little for a big guy, and we're big for a little guy. So when you compare us to the craft whiskey industry in the States, you know, there's like, I think the last time I heard 3,000 or something craft distilleries in the U.S. They're in every state now. Um, we're really big and, and relatively mature as those are opening, you know, every day. And back then in 2014, we were like part of that pack ready to go. But at the same time, we're in Kentucky. Like the backyard is full of some of the world's greatest distilleries, let alone bourbon distilleries, just distilleries. And so we've kind of always been in like the land of giants. And so there were eight of us when we opened full-time employees. Now there's maybe like 55, 50 or 55 full-time employees. So we're still really small compared to Brown Foreman, Diageo, these, these global corporations, Heaven Hill, et cetera. Um, so in some ways it hasn't changed that much, but to us, you know, We've grown a lot in size, our, our physical footprint has grown, our distribution footprint has grown. Um, and I think the biggest piece I think that's changed is like the shift from, okay, we have an idea and we are telling you it's gonna happen. And you know, we were so appreciative and still are all of the kind of like early adopters who are like, well, these people, they seem passionate and we're gonna like check them out. And now, we actually have some like proof. There's some proof in the pudding. And so that's the biggest change is we used to give tours like with nothing in the fermenters, you know, <laughs> like uh, one day there will be bourbon here and you'll taste it. And now, <laughs> you know, as we're starting to roll out some older products and, and this like vast library has grown and grown. It's just, it, that part is very different because we came from a startup place um, and I, I think we still have a lot of that wonderful startup, entrepreneurial, like young energy to go out. We're hungry. We like trying new things. We're curious, but like, we've got some, um, notches in our belt. We've done a few things now. And so that, that changes things a lot. And like you said, you guys have been able to, to grow over time. I think you even one of the first graduates, if you want to call it from the, the craft tour of the, the bourbon, totally. Kentucky bourbon trail up to the, the big, big bourbon trail. But like you said, it's that perfect blend of uh, you're, you're little for a big guy, but big for a little guy. And, and I think that's a, a cool spot to be in. And, and you're filling in some, some big shoes here uh, come next year uh, with, yeah. with Ken stepping down. What's it, what was it like when the, I'm, I'm guessing you, you were brought in and you were like, Hey, what, you, you ready for this uh, CEO role? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been, um, it's been a really, the, the process for Ken thinking about, you know, his kind of succession plan and, and he'll, he'll still be a part of the board of directors. He still owns the company, um, follows the way we do business in general. I mean, this is a fiercely independent family owned company and, we are so proud of our teams that have kind of grown from within at every level of the company. So in some ways, when you look back at it, it makes perfect sense that we would want to kind of promote from within. And we've had a lot of folks in non-traditional backgrounds in these roles. Um, you know, our head distiller was the brewer. We didn't hire somebody who was a distiller and he's been wildly successful. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a little daunting. You know, Ken is, this next year will be his 50th year in the industry and um, has an enormous amount of success. And, and I'm, I'm so lucky to have spent, I mean, him and I have shared an office for almost a decade and all of that, that mentorship that I've been able to receive, but it's, it's so exciting at the same time. And, um, you know, the, the coolest part about it is that our mission, what New Riff is all about, has not changed. The values of the company have not changed. The culture has not changed. It's this very intentional evolution. And, you know, I've been a big part of building those values and culture and systems and brand and all these things. And so there's a lot of continuity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky to like have such an incredible team that I've worked with this whole time. I mean, we know each other there's a real clarity in where we're heading. Um, you know, it's like, we're, we're proud of what we've built. I feel like it's a we, and this is just the kind of beginning these first 10 years. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll be calling Ken, believe me, I'll have some questions for him, but um, the, the community we have and the network and these relationships I've built across and within the industry and outside of the industry, you know, I think I'm ready to take that mantle and uh, it'll certainly be a change, but We've done so much to build this really strong foundation that I feel honored to be able to kind of usher it into its next generation without having to come in and rebuild. You know, we're not like trashing what we've done before. It's great. I, I, it's a continuation of where we've been. Well, and, and like you said, you, you've been able to kind of, you've been at the, the, at the ground floor, you've worked your way up, you've done a, a several different roles along the way. How much has that helped? Because I feel like that, that never hurts to kind of see different parts of it as you go and, and learn and, and just get a better understanding of the whole, whole thing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the rarity of a, a chief executive coming in who, you know, minus a few things, like I really have done everything in this company or I've been there while it's happening. Like I said, I'm not making any whiskey, but I remember like rolling the first barrels off the truck when they came into the building and, you know, and, and being yelled at because I had sandals on at the time. Our production guys were like, get out of here. What are you doing? And, um, you know, so many of those early formational conversations around what do we want to be? What are we trying to say? Why do we exist? What are we doing? I was at those tables. So not only do I know why we're here now, I feel like it informs the way to look going forward. And so um, it's just a really rich understanding. And, and I think as a leader, like this team, they know me, they've seen me out there, like we've worked and worried and celebrated and, and done all those things together. And so, um, you know, I feel like, the lucky, luckiest new executive in the world that I don't have to come in and like convince everybody that they should necessarily trust me. I think I've, I've earned a lot of that over the years. And um, I think it's going to be a huge thing going forward because, um, you know, you got to know like where you came from to know where you're going. That's for sure. Absolutely. A little, little sweat equity goes a long way with a lot of Absolutely. folks. And, and Absolutely. now have you, have you tried to, to, to make any of the whiskey or do they just pretty much kick you out no matter when, when you walk in? No, no, they don't want me there and they shouldn't. It's not the value I bring to the company. You know, we all have different things that we offer to our, uh, our work families. And, um, you know, I joke around about my, I have the bluntest 
palate and like this tastes like whiskey um it's just it's not it's not my world i love to be a part of it and you know most mornings i pop in and spend time in the distillery and you know try to get over to our warehouse as much as i can but um yeah they don't they don't want me in there mucking things up if we're talking about like uh branding and where we're going to be in 10 years and how we're going to get there those are the conversations i'm i really love being a part of and um they don't, they don't want me writing tasting notes. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with saying it's just good whiskey. Sometimes that's the best, yeah, exactly. best right. tasting note there, there is. And, and you guys, like you said, you, you, you've been able to grow the company. I believe you're in the midst of a $3 million renovation there as well, mm-hmm. it, it, or, or getting close. What, what was the need behind that and kind of, you know, build back, build up, uh, cause you guys are kind of an urban distillery. Yeah, We're not kind of, you yeah, are an urban I mean, distillery. <laughs> you know, when we opened in 2014, the the laws in Kentucky, we weren't even allowed to sell drinks by the glass when we opened. So the original design, you know, it's like a new car. You drive it off the lot and it's already, you know, lost X amount of value. We, we immediately were kind of like behind the way that we could best engage with our customers. And our team has done an amazing job over the years. I mean, we've evolved and changed and built out to create more spaces to engage with customers, whether that's on tours or tastings, over the bar, with a cocktail, with a flight. And so um, this renovation is all about continuing that ability to have these conversations with our customers, with people who are interested, with the folks who have known us the whole time, with tourists, with new people, Um, And so most of the renovation is to update. We have a third floor that was always an event center. So we had private events, um, update that into a public tasting room, the big whiskey library and some reservable space and update our first floor to be a little bit more of an accommodating visitor center and gift shop. I mean, when you're, I don't know if the last time you were up here, but like on a Saturday, the chaos and traffic that can be happening in the lobby, which is such a good problem to have like we're we are thrilled that we're in that position that we've just kind of outgrown the space and honestly it's one of the silver linings of covid is we had this event center and all the events got canceled i mean they were shut down um and we looked around and started thinking about what else we could do with that space and we felt like the the numbers worked and the people worked and now as it's starting to happen we're like yes it's going to be so awesome um because we have older whiskey and we have some one-offs and and places where our distilling team has explored and we'll have like one barrel of something. Well, at this point for us to put out a bottling of one barrel just makes almost everybody upset. Like we can't share it with enough people. And so we can pour it by the glass though. And because we're New Rift and we like to treat our customers with fairness and decency, like we're not gonna be gouging people across the bar either. So that same philosophy of how we connect with customers at stores and at on-premise accounts, we're going to be able to do here. You know, every other distillery is doing it. Like it's it's not, um, we didn't invent this. We're just finally getting to it and are really excited about being able to have that space. Well, and I was going to say, you know, where you guys are located there in Newport, Northern Kentucky is kind of unique in the mm-hmm. sense of you are an urban distillery right across the river from, from Cincinnati in a, a growing area. Yep. What's, what's that like to kind of be in that type of atmosphere where, you know, a lot of other distilleries could be more out in the country, you know, have a little more space to, to do things. Totally. You know, it's part of like the core fiber of the company. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of jokes up here that like Cincinnati is the biggest city in Kentucky. And, you know, I, I grew up in Louisville and I don't know about you. I went to Lexington once a month for something, for a soccer tournament, for a day trip. We were going to a show or a music festival or whatever. We were in Lexington all the time. And like, we never came up here. I mean, there's a, there's a, um, I just think people think of it differently. And I love Cincinnati. It's a big, it's almost twice as big as Louisville. It's like a 2 million person metro area. So this community up here, I think is really special and sometimes feels like a, a secret for people, which is surprising to me. Um, but we love it. I mean, sometimes we're like, don't forget about us in Northern Kentucky. You know, they talk about the golden triangle and we're always like, it's a, it's a golden rhombus. <laughs> you know, come up, come up here too, between Bardstown and Lexington and Louisville. But it also means like, you know, we're, there's us, there's Old Pogue and Second Sight and Boone County and uh, Neely, but like, that's it. We're, we're it's a smaller community where it's relatively tight knit community. Um, and then you have all the benefits of Cincinnati. I mean, it's a compact place. Like where I'm sitting right now, I can see out of our windows, downtown Cincinnati I can see buildings that are in Covington. So that's kind of the next river town over from Newport. We're in Newport. Our parking lot that we share with the party source is in Bellevue. So there's these groups of river towns that just have fantastic food and drink, like great restaurants, great bars. There's so much history up here. And then we get all the goodness of being in a bigger city. So whether it's like the airport access, we know that, um, like the number one state for tourism into the bourbon trail is Ohio because so many people are right here and they're coming through, they're coming through our airport and they're coming to Reds games. They're going to Bengals games. There's a huge beer industry in Cincinnati. People come on the, they go on the beer tour and then they'll come over and, and join the bourbon trail. So we like to think we're like the start of the bourbon trail up here, but um, you know, that sense of place is reflected in us. Like we don't have a, Ken's grandfather was not a moonshiner and and it's not our story to tell we didn't make it up it's a modern building it's a modern brand um but even like our our warehouses so we have our main distillery campus and then about two miles as the flow uh the crow flies is our warehousing campus and we're in like turn of the century these beautiful old buildings that were part of the streetcar system um in the late 1800s and so you know, we get those pieces of history. They're just so much different. Cincinnati has a really rich history in like the rectifying side of things more so than the distilling side of things because we were right on the river. So a lot of whiskey came up here and got sent down the river. And um, we've got great info. And, and again, Jay Arisman, my colleague, is like a history nut for this stuff and really has gone through and dug up some stories of these distilleries that now we're like, right along 75 where they used to be so we love it you know we're we're a little bit uh we're like city kids you know we we definitely have some country kids in the building too but um we like that balance of we're right on the border you know what i mean it's like north and south old and new you know uh city and country we, we straddle a lot of those things and, and like doing that well, it goes with with what what New Riff is all about, and and when folks do get to to visit visit y'all, what what can they they expect there? Absolutely. So, um, you know, we have kind of depending on your interest and and time and all those things. Like, we have a menu of really cool tours and experiences. Everything from like a classic distillery tour and tasting, 
Um, we do some experiences that are in our warehouse campuses where you're actually blending your own blend. So we have a, an experience called blend where you literally get to come through and you taste some single barrels and put them together. Um, and so you leave with a one of a kind bottle. We do some different um, kind of like grain to glass education. And then we have our tasting room. So we currently do have a tasting room. It's just, we're gonna renovate it. So, um, you know, we have like a really thoughtful cocktail program and the ability to taste flights across a lot of different stuff we do. Um, those are kind of the walk-in off the street ability to come in and, and experience the place. We're a part of obviously the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. We're a part of a thing in Northern Kentucky called the Beeline, which is like a little mini, kind of like the way they do it in Louisville. That's bars and restaurants and distilleries. And then we have a really robust single barrel selection program. Um, and, you know, because Ken and Jay come from a retail background, we knew the like most hallowed single barrel programs in Kentucky bourbon. And so we thought this was a wonderful niche for us to inhabit. And so we do some things with our selection program that a lot of distilleries that are larger don't even want to mess with. Like we sell, we call them fractional barrels. So, um, you know, a typical barrel is maybe 220, 230 bottles. We'll actually do a single barrel experience. You come into our tasting room, you taste these bourbons, you make a selection, we customize your bottle for as little as a quarter barrel or 60 bottles. So we're trying to make the entry point for some of these programs a little bit easier um, and a little bit more accessible to folks. But yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, like come on in, you'll see our crew. They're super pumped to talk to you. It's a, it's a cool size. Back to that big for a little guy, little for a big guy. Like you, when you go on one of our tours, like you see the entire production facility. <laughs> it's not that big, but it's big enough that you can see, you know, it's a 60 foot copper column Benjamin still. You're seeing these big fermentation tanks, but it's intimate, it's accessible. You can be right in it. So that's a really cool thing. You know, we just built a new warehouse um, that's a few more miles away up here in Northern Kentucky, but until then, you know, all of our barrels, every single one of them was like within earshot, basically. And um, I think that's a cool balance that it's not just a one room place, but you can see it, smell it, feel it, taste it all. And those fer fer fermentation tanks are full now. <laughs> they are full. Yes, they have. They, they got they got full about nine and a half years ago and have stayed full. So. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I was going to ask this maybe a little later, but I think it's the perfect timing because you mentioned you do things a little different than maybe some. And I'm, I'm guessing that is where part of the name New Riff comes from. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that is literally it's a it's based on a guitar riff. So. You know, everybody plays the song, but people do their own riff. And that's how we felt about Kentucky Bourbon. Um, you know, it's kind of that like humility, but also we want to do our own thing. So we're not trying to rewrite bourbon. It's been done very, very well for a very long time, but we do want to put our own stamp on it. And so it's a musical nod. Um, you know, we, we riff on a lot of stuff. We, some of the things that we produce, our core bottled and bond bourbon is pretty darn traditional in the way we make that whiskey. Um, but the fact that it's non-trail filtered is kind of a, a more modern um, application. And sometimes we take that long, the kind of Kentucky regimen, it's sour mash, it's run on a doubler, et cetera. And we apply it to like other types of, of whiskeys and um, the way that we hire people, speaking of all of this, 
the way we run the business, et cetera. So there's, there's kind of like riffs in every element of the business, including the whiskey itself. And, um, you know, I think the biggest place to see that is in some of the innovation in our spirits. Brian Sprance, who's our head distiller, comes from a beer background. So he has this really rich um, grain knowledge and interest. And you pair that with Jay's fascination in the history and the heirloom grains of this region. And so we, we put out and make tons of unique mash bills. So not just blends and finishes, which we do as well, um, but really exploring like, what is this grain gonna be? If it's the exact same percentage of rye, um, have you ever had our Balboa rye? I have not. I, I've, I've, that, that's on the list. <laughs> Next time you're up here, we'll have a Balboa. We'll drink one together. But um, this was a grain that our farmer that we buy corn from, chit-chatting with our guys about it's a cover crop for them. They've had it around since the 40s. And it's this like heirloom grain. And we were like, hey, well, we should try to make a whiskey out of that. So we use the exact same mash bill we use for our, our, our Kentucky rye, which is actually 100% rye. So it's 95% unmalted rye and 5% malted rye. Um, and we made it with Balboa. And like the difference in th those two whiskeys just on the literal grain, you know, the genetic makeup of this heirloom grain versus a, a more commercial rye. It's like totally fascinating. So we've, we explore out in that way. And, you know, the way we do like everything from our HR benefits to the grains we're using is uh, we, we try to find new ways to look at things. Well, and I think that keeps things fun and keeps things interesting. And that's also the beauty of kind of being maybe that, that small big guy or the big small guy is that you're able to, to do those things. And, and when, oh. when folks are looking at the whiskeys that you guys make, what can they expect? Sure. You know, the, the first thing is that you'll find it embossed in all the glass. Everything we make is non-chill filtered. Um, you know, that is for us a baseline everything is at least bottled in bond. So our core, our kind of flagship whiskeys are bottled in bond without chill filtration. And, you know, the Bottled in Bond Act, which predated the existence of the FDA, we know what our predecessors in America were most worried about, um, you know, is like the highest quality in the world for a distilled spirit. Um, you know, it's made by one distiller and one distilling season. It's a hundred proof. It's at least four years old. So we think of that as our floor, not our ceiling. And so you're going to get relatively high proof, full body, that rich texture from the, from it being un, unfiltered. Um, you know, it's just like, it's, it's luxurious. Uh, it's, it's rich, it's big bone. That's kind of a baseline for everything. On top of that, I think most of our whiskeys, we just like love rye. Even our, a lot of our bourbons are high rye. Um, our bottled and bond bourbon is 35% rye. So, um, you're going to get kind of like a rich, spicy, elegant whiskey. And then some of these specialties that part of the reason we're redoing this bar is we want to be able to share them with more people, the ones that are of smaller quantity. You know, we, we make, even though that's our kind of core and passion of these big, bold, spicy whiskeys, like we wanted to make weeded whiskey too. And we wanted to make uh, uh, this heirloom, you know, we just released two, uh, bourbons with heirloom corns. That one is a, a blue corn, one's a yellow corn. We want to try different mash bills, different blends, different aging. So there's a, a wide range of things to try in a smaller quantity. But I think if people are opening a bottle of New Riff, these are whiskeys that are just wonderful standing up in a cocktail. 
because of that that spice. Um, and they're great meat because they're so smooth and velvety because of the nacho filtration. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they they do well in either way, and we try we try to be sure they're approachable. Um, you know, even at a hundred proof, we want them to be approachable. So. There, there's something to be said about that. And and obviously, you know, big changes are happening in the sense of of kind of the, the leadership structure. So I know that's kind of next on the horizon, but yeah. what, what else is next uh, for New Riff as you guys move forward? Sure, sure. I mean, next year is going to be our 10-year anniversary, which feels insane to all of us. But, you know, there's older whiskey in the warehouse. So that's a big thing for us is, is getting to that point. We've always kept about a third of what we've made to get older. And, you know, we, we are lucky enough to be able to follow and let the whiskey kind of tell us when it's ready, when it's different enough from our our core offerings. And so there's, there will start to be some older whiskey coming out in the next few years. Um, We'll continue to share some of these explorations of, different styles of whiskey, inspired by world whiskey, um, mash bills that we've let sit for a while. So more interesting whiskey. And then the continued ability to engage with our customers more and what that looks like, whether that's our tasting room or new experiences or more selections, different types of selections. You know, we rolled out doing rye selections recently. we're launching here literally in a few weeks. We've partnered with a third party that's going to allow us to ship product, ship selections all over the country. Um, so trying to get this stuff out in the world to more people, to meet more people. We're just, you know, at the end of the day, like we are a young, excited group of people. And, you know, as I guess as we we wrap up, you know, you, you talk about all the new things that, that are that are coming. And I'm, I'm guessing the 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 core vision though is to keep doing those new things putting the riff on, on things and, and and having some fun while doing it as well you you couldn't have said it better i mean the you know the, the real mission of this place is to we and we say it all the time to become one of the great small distilleries of the world and that's not like a line or a no one's ever going to award us of that and so there are these like little fence posts along the way that we feel like, okay, wow, we're like, we're really getting there. And so, yeah, I think some of those innovative whiskeys, some of that older whiskey, the experiences we can offer, those like continuing to evolve and mature and more people being able to experience them is how we know we're getting there. And so, yeah, absolutely. Like more of the same of what we've been doing, but like, you know, better, older more interesting that's that's absolutely where we're heading and this renovation for us i mean i think for some bigger companies that feels like a drop in the bucket but we are so excited to be able to come into this space and i feel like present all this hard work we've done in a space that's like really enjoyable and there isn't like a tour group behind you that's about to take off or you know somebody checking you can like hear the register pinging while you're trying to have a, a drink and talk to one of our brand ambassadors so um, they might seem small for other people, but, but we're really pumped about it and, and love connecting with folks. And, you know, it's, that's what we're looking forward to. Well, it sounds like you have some, some cool things ahead and, and Hannah, thanks for, for sharing your story, the story of new riff and, and, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you for having us. And next time you're up here, give me a shot. We will, we'll have that Balboa and, and see all the new, all the new digs. Absolutely. 
Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.